0: 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Burns and Gambo, the 4 o'clock reset. Brought to you by Collins Comfort Masters,
1: proud home services partner of the Arizona Cardinals. 4 o'clock reset.
0: Top stories of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We present them to you at 4 o'clock every day here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Rapid reaction style here as we go through the main things making news. And we start with the Phoenix Suns. Starting training camp today, and for Monty Williams, he says the biggest thing and the best thing about continuity is having the same guy running the offense in year two. Just
2: having the same point guard. Helps. <laughs> you know, we had Ricky and then Chris, and Chris picked it up quickly. But even as as the year progressed last year at the end, he, he would remark to me, like, Coach, like next year we're really going to be... You know, ahead of the game as far as continuity is concerned. There was an adjustment yeah.
0: period last year, no doubt.
1: Having Chris and campaign. yes. So I think it's the both guy, both guys running the show you're very familiar with because they were here last year. Still no Devin Booker,
0: but Monty says that they're kind of already ahead of schedule and they could be ready for full scrimmages as soon as tomorrow. The Arizona Diamondbacks, they're in San Francisco tonight. The Giants currently have the best record in baseball and a two-game division lead over the Dodgers. You're
1: shaking your head already. I just can't believe what's at stake here. I mean, this is – the listen, I, I, I don't want the Diamondbacks to beat the Giants. I I want them to lose. I want the Giants. I want the Dodgers to win 105 baseball games and have to play a one-game series against Paul Goldschmidt and the Cardinals. (laughs) I want that so badly. Cardinals, Dodgers, one game. Let the Giants win the division. I mean, this is—both teams are over 100 wins. Um, and one of them is going to have to play in a one game. It's crazy to win 100, and 200, and four games and have to play in a one-game playoff. That's crazy. It's happened before, but it, it, and it's going to happen again.
0: Yeah, the one of these two teams, either the Giants or the Dodgers, Dodgers, will become the fifth team since 1969 to win 100 games and still finish in second place. The 2018 Yankees, the 2001 Oakland A's, the 93 Giants, and the 1980 Baltimore Orioles. One of these two teams is going to join that list and would have to play a one-game play-in game against a team that, oh, by the way, the St. Louis Cardinals have won 16 straight games. Paul Dolschmidt is on fire. He sure is. Congratulations to Phoenix Mercury Center Brittany Griner. She finished second in the voting for the WNBA's MVP award. Uh, As John Cole Jones won it with Connecticut. Uh, The Mercury start their series with the Las Vegas Aces tonight. Best of five series, 7 o'clock tip time on ESPN2. Game three will be on Sunday in the Valley. Game four, if necessary, would also be here in the Valley. The Mercury went one and two against the Aces this year, the three times they played.
1: Yeah, they've got that Aja Wilson, who is the WNBA Rookie of the Year and MVP. And uh, superstar, so this is going to should be a good series. Yeah, it should be. And then, real quick, updating this one, we haven't talked about this yet.
0: Uh, according to Bet MGM, Kyler Murray right now is the odds-on favorite to be the MVP hmm. of the NFL. Okay. All
1: right. I mean, a three and and0 right? I mean, you when you win and you put up numbers, you get in conversations like that. Yes, you do. But our top story of the day today on the Burns and Gambo show comes to
0: us from the Cardinals who made some personnel moves today, relatively minor personnel moves, but with perhaps bigger implications somewhere down the road. They, According to a report from Adam Schefter, and he got it from Drew Rosenhaus, they promoted Antonio Hamilton, the cornerback who had been on the practice squad the last few weeks, but protected all of those weeks. Uh, They promoted him to the active roster. Now, that hasn't been announced by the Cardinals yet, but what has also happened is that the Cardinals have signed Quinton Dunbar, cornerback, to their practice squad, basically to replace... Antonio Hamilton.
1: Yeah, I think Ian Rappaport said that the Cardinals were signing him. I reported that it would be to the practice squad, so they did sign Quinton Dunbar to the practice squad. He was a guy that got released by the Lions in training camp this year. He missed some time with personal issues. Uh, I was asked about this be back in early August, and the Cardinals had no interest in Quinton Dunbar uh, in August when camp was going on, but seven, seven weeks later to put him on the practice squad, they'll, they'll go ahead and they'll do that just to give them a guy to, uh, to, you know, to keep an eye on and practice, and he can be insurance in case of depth. So he's not on the active roster; he's on the practice squad. So it is a guy they had no interest in, you know, back in early August when the Lions released yeah.
0: him. I had a thought about that when we talked about this the first time uh, at the beginning of the show. The Cardinals got a little bit of a scare going into their game this week against the Jags, in that Byron Murphy was hurt all week. Marco Wilson hurt himself in the Vikings game. Both of those guys were announced as game time decisions on Friday. And it really had people wondering, depth wise, what do you do if? You know, who's your, in case of emergency, break glass guy? And I wonder if by promoting Hamilton to the active roster and by adding another cornerback to the practice squad, if the Cardinals have realized that. If they lose one or two of their top guys, they are very thin at that position. And I'm not saying Quentin Dunbar is all that great, but they need bodies there. And I wonder if that was a little bit of a wake-up call for them towards the end of last week when they got thin by losing those two guys the way they did.
1: I mean, probably. I mean, when they lost Butler, they responded by signing Rasul Douglas and Antonio Hamilton and really haven't done anything at that position up until now. Now you add Dunbar, you just put him on the practice squad, and he's there. And if you don't flex a guy, you can and protect him. And um, maybe I'll just give him a few weeks to kind of see if he fits in or or not. So uh, I think it's just I think it's just depth. and yeah. I think it's just insurance. Uh, and that it doesn't practice squad it's salaries or nothing. It doesn't cost you anything to throw another quarterback oh, yeah, no, on there. No,
0: it's not. It's not the money necessarily. It's it's the bodies and it's a, it's the availability. And and on Friday morning. You know, when we saw who was practicing, who wasn't practicing, I think there was a real jolt among Cardinal fans yeah. to look at, man, Byron Murphy, he's, you know, is he going to be available? Marco Wilson, is he going to be available? If one or both of those guys aren't, what are they going to do? And and it it look, the cornerback situation has been, for me, a very pleasant surprise three games into the season. A very pleasant surprise. Byron Murphy might be named the NFC's defensive player of the week tomorrow. He's going to join us later in the show. He's been terrific. He looks like a number one cornerback in this league, which would be a remarkable get for the Cardinals if they were able to find that guy in the draft a couple of years ago. Marco Wilson's been improving. Robert Alford's held his own. They've been they've been better than I expected at the yeah. cornerback spot. But if something goes wrong with injuries, they need bodies. They need depth, and I think that's what this is about. Well, you know what the
1: other thing is: at three and zero, you sign a twenty-nine-year-old veteran. At zero and three, you sign a twenty-four-year-old kid that hasn't been given an opportunity. I mean, that's just the truth. Right. If you're 0 and 3 and you need depth at cornerback, Hey, here's this guy I liked. He was a sixth round pick. He's been cut a couple of times. Let's sign him to the practice squad and let's try to see if we can develop him and turn him into something. But at 3 and 0, you don't have the time to develop anybody. I need a veteran. I need a veteran as a backup. Somebody who knows the league and can come in and can play and can learn. So that's the difference. When you're 3-0, and you sign Quentin Dunbar. When you're 0-3, you sign some young guy. Yeah,
0: Dunbar has played 64 career games. He started in about half of those 31 career games. He's got 10 interceptions for his career. Um, he's he, mostly with Washington. The one year with Seattle, but he only played the six games because you mentioned the knee injury. He's a vet. He's been around. He knows the league um, and gives them some of that depth they need in case things get real, real sideways. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Matthew Stafford, a shutdown defense with maybe the best player in the NFL, uh, quote unquote genius head coach. Have the Rams put it all together and are they living up to the hype? That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo show. Tuesday afternoon here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Byron Murphy of the Arizona Cardinals scheduled to join us in about 15 minutes. Looking forward to talking to him. Maybe the day before he wins NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see.
1: Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. You like Miles Garrett in the AFC and Byron Murphy in the NFC. potentially, yeah. But my, uh, Byron Murphy
0: Pick coming up in another about, interception. Yeah, about 15 minutes from now. Looking forward to talking to him about the game that he had against the Jags and this game coming up against the Rams. Uh, very, very anticipated game between the Cardinals and Los Angeles coming up on Sunday afternoon from L.A. Both teams 3-0. Uh, Clear-cut leadership of the NFC West at stake here. Uh, I know you're not a huge fan of the analytics involved, but I did take note of the fact that Kyle Odegaard uh, used to be with ArizonaCardinals.com, and now he's working for a a gambling website as a writer there. Points out that football outsiders, the odds of winning the NFC West, they give the Rams about a 41% chance. That's it? Yeah, 41%. They got the Cardinals at 24. They got the 49ers at 21. And the Seahawks at about thirteen percent. I, I would have thought. I I'm with you. I would have thought it would have been higher than that for the L.A. Rams based off of how they've started. I would so take far. the
1: Rams and give like any any better the Cardinals, the Seahawks, and a Forty Nineers and feel comfortable. In the, the, the NFC Rams. West, you take the Rams and somebody I would else take gets the take the Rams field. and you get the field yeah. type of thing.
0: Yeah, I would not take you up on that bet. The Rams have been good. Now we can we've got numbers here galore that point out how good they've been and certainly how good they were against Tampa Bay. They are the flavor of the week. They're the flavor of the month. They're the ones that are are on the top of every single power ranking, if that's your thing. They're the one, every single column about, oh, yeah, they're legit. They're real. They're the best team in the NFC, blah, blah, blah. And you can see why with some of the numbers they put up against Tampa Bay. Now, they're not perfect. All right? They, They barely beat the Colts in week two. That was Indianapolis, that was on the road, but the Colts are 0-3 so far this season, and the Rams needed a field goal with about two and a half minutes to go in that game just yep. to win. So they're not perfect, but some of these numbers they put up against Tampa Bay are remarkable. You want to start with the offense? Start with the, the offense. Start, start with the offense. Okay. The Rams against Tampa Bay scored points on six straight drives,
1: four of which resulted in touchdowns. Okay. I mean, against the Tampa Bay defense... Led by Todd Bowles, yep. a great defensive coordinator, with all their guys back. And they went out there and scored six straight times. Four of them touchdowns. That's that's impressive. On third downs, they were
0: remarkable. This is even more impressive. Stafford, uh, on third down this season, not just against the Bucks, but for the whole season, is 19-27 for 275 yards and three touchdowns. Here's the stat about stafford on third down on third down pass attempts specifically of 10 yards or more so third and long right third down pass attempts of 10 plus yards matthew stafford is six of eight for 142 yards and a touchdown i can't get over those numbers
1: you know and what blows me away is this one it's you're not talking about just third down you're talking about third and 10 yeah Third and 10. Third and long. The defense has you right where they want you with third and 10. It's everything that they try to do. And at third and 10, he's six out of eight for 142 yards. Here's the other thing that blows me away about that. I mean, quick math, right? 142 yards on only six completions? That's a lot of yards. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's 23, 24 yards per play on third down? third down. On third down, they're averaging on third and 10... Their average completion rate is about 23-24 yards per play. That is like... Staggering. Staggering. Yeah, that's that's numbers you don't see. It's staggering.
0: And for anybody who doubted that Matthew Stafford was going to unlock that offense, the Rams offense last year scored more than 30 points in a game only three times. Three times all last year, they crossed the 30-point threshold. They have already done it twice. So far this year. And they've just played three games. So Matthew Stafford is doing this in. And then, so the
1: offense is backing the
0: defense. Defensively, they pressured Tom Brady 18 times. They sacked him three times. They hit him five times. They forced three straight Tampa Bay punts to open the game. The Bucs could not run the ball at all against the L.A. Rams. Tom Brady was the leading rusher.
1: For Tampa Bay, with 14 yards, that includes running around for his life. The way he got hit, the quarterback hits, the pressures, the sacks. That's how you beat Tom Brady, right? You got to beat the hell out of him. You got to get pressure on him, and they were able to do that. Look, we know you 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 fear playing a Rams defense because they're just so physical. And then, and we'll see how. And I'd like to see who do the Bucks play this next week. The Patriots. Oh, that's right. That's the big. That's right. That's oh. right. oh yeah. That's, that's right. That's the big Tom Brady's back to Foxborough game us- on Sunday night. Usually, you worry about a team after they play the Rams because it's just such a physical. You, you you get a beating against the Rams. Yeah. Very physical football team. So you just wonder how that affects Tom Brady and the Bucs going into this week's game against the Patriots. Yep. Aaron
0: Donald was a beast. Oh, by the way, the Rams only had one penalty on Sunday, so they played a real clean, disciplined game. Their defense is blitzing more than we're used to seeing. They're, they're, this was from Jordan Rodriguez. She covers the team for The Athletic. All of these stats, by the way, are from Jordan. I, we're reading off of her story here, but she does really good work, and not just because she used to be an intern here for us at Arizona Sports. <laughs> um, although that has obviously a lot to do, with it. To do lot with it. That has everything to do with it. A lot to do with it. The coaching tree here at Arizona Sports, it's it's remarkable. It's a good one. It's, it's not bad. It's I mean, not look bad. at you, Burnsy. You turned out pretty well. Well... Thanks, Mitch. I appreciate that. But I haven't left and gone anywhere. I've been here for a long, long time. The Rams have blitzed 30 times in three games. That's the fifth most in the NFL.
1: So not only do they have Aaron Donald. They're coming at you. They're coming at you. They're coming at you. They're shutting you down. Their offense now is just as good as their defense because they used to win a lot of closer games. Now they're blowing teams out. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you watch them play, and you're like, okay, they're good. Then you start to crunch these numbers. And and that's not analytical numbers. That's no, it's just, just basic. That's just man. They're beating the hell out of quarterbacks. They're converting on third. The third down one blows me away. Six out of eight on third and ten. I mean, you think a defense has you just where they want you on third and ten? The Rams are saying no problem for us. Yeah. Third, so you, I'm going to be watching this game on Sunday, and it's going to be third and ten. I'm going to be like, oh. <laughs> oh man, here comes. Yeah. Instead, here comes you know, a 24 yard completion. I mean, normally you are waiting for the punt. You're like, okay, third and ten. You got them right where you want them. You know, ten you, but man, it's just so good. Cooper Cup is just one of the best receivers in the NFL, and Deshaun Jackson is playing well. And Higby has really had good numbers against the Cardinals. Tyler Higby's had really great numbers against them. It's a it's it's a great football team. It's a really good football team. Like this will be a tough game for the Arizona Cardinals. But those numbers really back up just how dominant they've been so far. And it's not like they're playing patsies. You know, we talk about like the Bronco, uh, the Broncos are three and and0, but all their opponents they're zero and nine. Like, they've played good. The Colts are a good team. Have the Broncos not played a team that has won a game yet so far no. this year? <laughs> no. <laughs> the Jets? The Broncos the, have played, let me see.
0: Give me that Broncos schedule.
1: They're, they're, they're the teams Jets, that they Jaguars, play: the Jets, Jaguars, and Giants. The J- Jets, J- Jags, and Giants. There you go. They got the 0 and nine this weekend. 0-9. They, the, they have the who this weekend? Ravens. Yeah. Baltimore. And oh, they'll okay. get smoked oh. by Lamar Jackson. Yeah, so the Broncos are 3-0. and The teams they played are 0-9. It's not like the, the Rams have played bad teams. The Rams have played good teams. All three teams they played so far this year were playoff teams a year ago. Yeah, and one, one won the Super Bowl. Yeah. And you just beat them. And they have everybody back from that team. Yeah. And they're impressive. They are impressive. And it,
0: it really is, unfortunately for everybody else in the division, exactly what everybody was scared to death of when they got Matthew Stafford. I, I I know there was a real, for weeks, there was a conversation about how good really is Matthew Stafford? How come he was never able to lift Detroit how come he was never able to to pop more in Detroit? And I think more and more we're starting to see that Detroit was just so bad around him that he never really had the opportunity to shine and that he was much better than that team was allowing him to show for all those years that he was there. Because now he's in L.A., he's got these weapons, he's got a coach who sees the game the way he does. This was our, this was our biggest fear, was that Matthew Stafford was going to go to L.A. and be... So much more of an upgrade from Jared Goff that he was going to unlock that offense. And that is exactly so far what has happened to that team.
1: Nine touchdown passes in three games. Nine. And which is first three games, I think that ties Kurt Warner franchise record and stuff like that. He's been great. I mean, you get him out of Detroit. I mean, look, they took a gamble. They gave up two first round picks. They got rid of Jared Goff, but. Uh, not really a gamble, man. The Rams are giving up first round picks. They'd rather go for proven talent than go for draft picks. Yeah. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, a two interception performance against Jacksonville pushed him
0: into the spotlight. His early production this year is a really good sign for the Cardinals and their defense. Byron Murphy from the Cardinals joins us next. You want to stay tuned for this coming up on the Burns and Gambo show. Back here with you on the Burns and Gambo Show, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. He had a, as Mitch said a second ago, performance for the ages on Sunday in Jacksonville. Two interceptions, a pick six. And joining us right now from the Arizona Cardinals, their cornerback, Byron Murphy Jr. here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Byron, welcome back to the show. Thanks for your time on this Tuesday. We appreciate you
3: coming on for a few. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.
1: Uh, Murph, let's first talk about being 3-0 and right now. I mean, getting that win in Jacksonville, I-, I know that's a struggling team, but you guys talked about any given Sunday, you got to respect your opponent, you went in there, they gave you a game for a while, you guys were able to pull it out. How do you guys feel right now getting to 3-0, and going into the Rams game?
3: Man, it's an absolutely great feeling, you know, putting all the work in, and then coming each game, each day on Sundays, and coming out with a W, you know, that's what we expect. Uh, that's our standard of this team so you know you got to keep going like I said the feeling is great but you know you got to keep pushing to get to the goal that we want to achieve
1: it it has been tremendous to watch you grow from a rookie who was thrown into the fire right away you got to play and and I'm sure part of that season was deer in the headlights to watching you become a number one cornerback dominating games right now just talk about the difference from your rookie year to right now and how much you've improved
3: Yes, sir. Like you said, it was thrown in the fire, you know, but I was already expected, you know, to come in. My mindset was to come in to wherever, I, you know, whoever brought me in to come in and start right away since day one. So, like you said, rookie year is, you know, a big role for me that I got uh, uh, put in, you know, it's a great position for me to go out there and do what I love. And like you said, rookie year, just, you know, coming in, trying to learn the defense, uh, you know, a lot of things going fast, the tempo, the game, all those type of little things. So now that, you know, I got, uh, more experience in that rookie year got more a lot of plays you know to have experience on that field kind of made me more comfortable as the years went on so i would say year three for me kind of everything slowing down and seeing those little details more faster
0: yeah i was i was going to ask you about that first year i mean it was it was certainly trial by fire but looking back on it is that i mean i know it was rough at times but was that the best thing that could have happened to you in the, in that moment
3: to kind of have that trial by fire right away Definitely, definitely. You know, Like I said, I was expecting to come in. My mind was coming to start day one. But like you said, rookie year was kind of, you know, trying to get everything, you know, um, learning from the playbook uh, as far as going to the tempo of the speed of the game. So, you know, that was a big thing for me. Just to have that experience is definitely what uh, helped me out to this day.
0: All right, let's talk about your two-interception day against Jacksonville and in particular that pick six that basically was the play of the game and and, and put that away. I had read where you were – you were upset at yourself because you'd been what burned on a flea flicker at some point earlier in the season, and you didn't want that to happen again. Describe that play to me as you're seeing it, kind of unfold in front of you, and what happened.
3: Yes, going back on the flea flicker that happened the first time, um, got beat on that play. Uh, tell myself next week, the week after, I got to make up for it. So then the play happens in Jacksonville. They run a flea flicker. Uh, kind of got my eyes at first. Again, the running back had the ball. Once he pitched it back, I just tell myself, you know, turn and run and go find the uh, receiver that was in my zone, so I did that. The ball was thrown in the air, had a little bit of time to get there, so I was able to make the play and take it back to the house. Uh,
1: we, we, we're we shocked, watch, because the previous time they had the ball, let's be honest, I mean, they, they, they ran it right down your throats. Eight straight running plays, touchdown. For them to come up with a flea flag, like, we're watching that, and we're almost mind-boggling that they would go to a crazy play like that after they had just dominated physically running the football against you guys.
3: Yes, sir. Definitely. Um, That's another thing. You know, offense is always going to come out. Every offense is going to come out each Sunday with a different type of game plan. So we knew once, you know, they made a good play, a new drive or something like that, they're going to take a shot. And that's when they came and I just, you know, like I said, made the play and I knew a shot ball was going to come.
1: When you guys were looking at that at at Jacksonville, I mean, you guys had – uh, four turnovers forced in that game. You got a lot of pressure. I mean, JJ Watt, by the way, made a great play on that to, to, to help you because Trevor had no choice, but to just kind of throw up a duck, but that pressure yep. by JJ J. Watt was, was tremendous and really forced Trevor to have to get rid of that ball very quickly.
3: Definitely. You know, I got to give a shout out to the D line. You know, they, they make it, they make it happen first, you know, putting pressure on the court, making him either get out of the pocket or throw the ball quick. So definitely shout out to those guys for helping me out, uh, and, like I said, just made the play
0: yeah Byron Murphy Jr, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show, coming off the Cardinals win against Jacksonville in the three and O start well it's and i know you're you 're into your third year of your career now for the longest time we would talk about Byron Murphy and we would say slot cornerback, slot cornerback, slot cornerback. You're evolving beyond that and past that. Mm-hmm. Was it was that always part of the plan for you or or did that just kind of happen in a strange and unusual circumstance? How how did that go about from where you were to where you are, Byron?
3: Man, I would say this, uh got to the NFL, you know, in college I was more of an outside corner, never really played nickel in my career uh and then rookie year played some nickel got a chance at playing nickel um on our defense so it was a, a little different for me but you know kind of adapting into it still still learning as always but that's the biggest thing nickel or playing outside corner you know just another you know defensive back so wherever you know the team wants to put me inside outside doesn't matter i'm really i'm uh, willing to play both so that's the biggest thing for me. Just make sure I can play both, just in case I do have to go outside or inside.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't call you. I mean, I don't think everybody would call you with blazing speed, but what makes you such a great player is just how smooth you are, how good you read routes, and how how really well you play with your eyes. That anticipation that you have is uh, that's not coachable.
3: Yeah, sir. So just you know, it's just staying patient as a DB, knowing what's coming. Uh, the film thing, you know, that's the biggest part. Knowing like you know, like I said, formation is what routes are getting out of the formation. So all those little details, you know picking up I wasn't picking up on my rookie year so like I said it was good to have that experience and now in year three everything's kind of slowing down for me do me a favor
1: compare Marco Wilson as a rookie for me compared to you as a rookie
3: man comparing that's kind of you know that's kind of hard I would say but I would say this Marco came in you know ready came in on fire you know locked in with the defense you know what he was doing came you know came in making some calls uh, as a rookie You know that's a big thing Uh, He just came in confident. That's the biggest thing. Came in confidence and ready to play. So that's another thing I always tell him. Just don't think too much. Go out there and play football. And, you know, that was something I was uh, doing my rookie year was kind of thinking too much. So You know, trying to give that advice to him, just knowing I already went through it. Yeah, going into
1: the season, right? I mean, Patrick Peterson's gone. They signed Malcolm Butler. He decides he wants to retire. You hadn't been a number one cornerback up to that time. You are now. Robert Alford hadn't played in two years. Marco Wilson was a rookie. There were so many question marks about about the cornerback spot, why has it played so well through these first three games?
3: I just think, you know, our defensive room, you know, we just uh, stick together. Uh, we got the guys here that's willing to, you know, learn from other guys that's willing to take in the good and the bad, I would say, from the film. You know, guys in that's coming in just ready to play and uh, compete. So that's the one thing that we have in our room that just makes us better every single day. We're always competing with each other. We go out to practice. We're competing with each other against our offense, all those type of things. So I'll just say our room as a whole is just something that we do. And everyone, you know, the connection's already there. So it's kind of a great feeling to have.
0: Byron Murphy Jr., our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Last week it was all, you know, trap game and be careful. And, and you know, we're not overlooking anybody. And there's no such thing as a trap game. You don't need to worry about any of that talk this week when it's a battle of two three and O teams in the division. How first division game of the year for you guys, and it's against another three and O team. Uh, I would imagine this one is very easy for you guys to get up for.
3: Yeah, definitely. This is an exciting time. It's going to be a great environment. Uh, I just really think it's going to show us what type of team we are, show us what kind of guys we have. So going into this week, you know, it's just going to be a very locked in week. Uh, just knowing what type of game we got going on Sunday.
1: I don't know. I don't know about you, Murph, but we're, we're tired of losing
3: to the Rams as fans. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're definitely, we're definitely <laughs> tired of that for sure. It's gonna go out there this whole week and compete, get uh, get better every single day, and look, I'm looking forward to Sunday.
0: So what I'm getting out of this between the game that you had on Sunday and the game that Christian had on Sunday, I, I just need to go to more Saguaro High football Local, games and, and just
3: oh, s- yeah.
0: scout out the next generation of of Cardinals. Is that <laughs> is that kind of what I need to do on a Friday night? Is that what you're telling me, Byron?
3: Yeah. That might where you need to go to the Saguaro game <laughs> for sure. Hey, hey! You always got the guys, the good environment, all those things. All right,
0: good. I just want to know where to go find the next great Cardinals. So I'll, I'll just, I'll spend yeah. Friday nights at Saguaro football
1: games, and I guess that's
0: where I'm going to find them, right? <laughs> hey, hey! Did,
3: yeah, they're all at Saguaro.
1: Did you see any of the highlights from that crazy Hamilton win last week?
3: Oh man, yeah, I did see some highlights. That was crazy.
1: I mean, they're down like what two, three scores with like a minute and a half left, and they they get they, they score, they get two All onside side kicks,
3: big.
1: and the quarterback's yeah, throwing up on the ball as he's throwing it.
3: Man, that's that was that i ain't gonna lie, that was one of the craziest uh, end of games I've seen in a while, especially for Arizona football. You know, yeah. I've been here my whole life, so just to see those type of things. But hey, that just shows you how football is really you know football. You can't take a play off. All right. Like you said, they came back in, what, like a minute or something? So yeah. So just to show you exactly what type of team they uh, they have up there at Hamilton as well.
0: Now, Byron, really happy for you. Thanks for coming hey, on Great job a on the show. Uh, we appreciate it. Best of luck the rest of the season. Best of luck tomorrow if there's an announcement that might happen to be made about you. Uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, good luck the rest of the season. I'm sure we'll catch up with you somewhere down the road, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you. Got it. Byron Murphy joining us on the Coulter Automotive Group Sportsline. It was great. Coulter Infinity, luxury cars, legendary service. Visit CoulterInfinity.com. He was good. We, we've, Byron Murphy always been a real stand up guy every time he's come on the show, no doubt. For the Suns, it wasn't that long ago, not that long at all, that they were playing in the NBA Finals. Now that they're back in it for training camp, how are they dealing with that quick turnaround? We'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Let's get an update on our Twitter poll question today, which will lead nicely into our Phoenix Suns conversation. Here's Mitch with an update on our Twitter poll question. Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll update
1: presented by Sanderson Ford.
0: You got for us today, Mitch. Got a nice little Suns question today because we're feeling that Suns fever again. So we ask if you're the first, if this is the first time you're hearing this question today. Do you believe that DeAndre Ayton?
1: deserves the max contract extension. Simply, yes or no. I like yes or no. I like yes or no questions. Yes. The simplicity
0: of it? Simplicity, just yes or no. Uh, I'm a little more uh, complex, but I do think that uh, if Michael Porter Jr. is getting a max contract, then yeah, I think DeAndre Ayton should ask for nothing less than the max. I think in a vacuum, not comparing him to anybody else, I, I would you know I wouldn't mind seeing him get a little less than the max you know so that the they can save their money for other things but we don't live in a vacuum we live where salaries are being compared to other guys and if Michael Porter Jr. is going to get one out of that draft class then yeah DeAndre Ayton going to get one and I do think he's going to get one when it's all said and done so yeah I, I, think I was going to say would you want something more along the lines of what MPJ's structure is where it's not max guaranteed money. There's a lot of incentive-laden stuff that he has to hit. I, I mean, maybe, but I think DeAndre Ayton is so much a better player than MPGA that that I I think that that if I'm DeAndre Ayton, looking at what you did last year, there'd be no reason for him not to ask for the max, not to expect the max. And at that point, I think the Suns will. If you go in, they've got to know they max.
1: probably have to give it to him, right? The, the, the sons, I think they're probably figuring it out. I mean, every time. You know, uh, like the news yesterday, like Michael Porter Jr. signed the max. Ugh. Yeah, if you were trying to get DeAndre for less, like forget it, forget it, forget it. Besides, I mean, because the news that comes
0: out, like well, Mike, really Michael Porter Jr. Come on, he might just be scratching the surface of what he can do on a basketball oh, I agree. floor. In DeAndre, Ayton. so I what's agree. our audience say about this one? Our audience is now even more so favorably in favor of yes, he deserves the max extension, eighty-two point seven percent now. So only 17.3% say no. All right. uh, That's the poll question. You can find it at Burns and Gambo on Twitter. One word at Burns and Gambo is where you can find it. Give us a follow while you're there. And that way you can interact with the show while we're on the air every day from two until six. Uh, The Phoenix Suns, their first full training camp day today at their Verizon practice center. Their brand new facility well, not brand new for them, but it's uh, the reporters are getting a look at it for the first time because they weren't allowed in that building. Last year, Um, and a lot of the talk still continues to be about kind of putting how last year ended behind them and quickly preparing themselves for the turnaround this year. Not a lot of time in between when the season ended and when it's going to start. And Jay Crowder's comments yesterday in particular are getting a lot of attention for what he said about how he's dealing with it. I was
2: hurt. I was mad. I was upset. You know, I just I use that loss, another one as motivation. You know, just to wake up, seven a.m., hurting a little bit. Um, I just use that as motivation, just to get back, just to um, try to be a champion. But I try to. I don't know. I, I've talked to my psychiatrist. I'm trying to build my um, mental capacity just to withstand and hold up better than it did last year. I don't want to have those situations where I'm a week just not feeling it for a week uh, because uh, I feel like my brain is fried. I just want to continue to just take it day in and day out, take it one day at a time, and hopefully not have those moments where um, I feel fried. But if it does does happen, I think the best thing I can do is communicate it with my teammates and my coaches and uh, from there.
1: Wow. Strong, powerful. I mean, we're seeing... A lot of athletes now, you know, get you know get help talking to a psychiatrist. Look, even one of the most famous TV shows out there right now, Ted Lasso. <laughs> no, really, the players no, and know, the coach yeah. they speak to a psychiatrist to to help them down. I mean, it's uh, the, with mental health issues or whatever it is. The interesting part about what Jay said to me was like just the weak thing. Like it wasn't just like you know you figure a guy may have an off day or a bad day or just some he was talking about like a week, like, you know, something could drag on for like, I don't want it to turn into a, or it's turned into a week thing. So that was the that was the part that got me is how do you how do you avoid that? And I, don't, I don't know. the I mean, it's a long season. You know, these guys don't get the ability like, you know, like 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 we do. Like, hey, you know what? I'm going to take that day off or I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to, you know, kids got uh, fall break coming up. We're going to. Go away! Like we, they, they don't get to do that. I mean, Jay Crowder can't just go to Monty Williams and say, "I know we got three games in the next like five nights, but I'm going to take a vacation right now." Yeah, you don't get to do that. So a long season can obviously wear on those players and beat them up. And I think I don't think not only physically but also mentally. Sure. And that's, I think, what I'm most impressed about with how Jake Crowder answered that
0: question. I mean, beyond the honesty of just kind of talking about his own mental health and what he's doing to address it, is that by and large, and I don't want to, I don't want to stereotype everybody, but by and large, a lot of professional athletes don't want you to know that there's a soft spot. You know, don't want you to know that there's a weakness. Used to be uh, like uh, that. Not anymore. it's, it's, It's changing a little bit, but for him to say, man, I was fried. I, I was I was absolutely fried last year. And you can understand why. For him you know, specifically, sure. Yeah, he's in the bubble with Miami. The season goes all the way to the end. They lose to the LA Lakers in the finals. Quick turnaround from the end of last season to the start of this season. Brand new team, brand new teammates. Compressed 72-game season in a short time span. So more back-to-backs, less time off. Another run into the finals. Another finals loss. Another short off season as the NBA gets back to normal. You can see why for Jake Crowder, man. He's, yeah, sounds like he might be a little fried, or at one point last year, he was a little fried, and he's talking kind of openly about I needed some help. I needed talk to talk to help me build up that mental strength. They all had to, in one way or another, deal with the disappointment of how last year ended. And Monty was typical Monty talking about it yesterday, very blunt about how bad he was feeling about it when they lost in the finals. You no, know,
2: this summer it really helped me. Um, when we lost, cause I was, <laughs> I was in a pity party for about two weeks, man. It was, it was bad. I mean, it's just internally like sad, you know, pouty, but, um, a lot of reflection, a lot of prayer, a lot of studying to get back to this place of understanding how blessed I am. You know, I tell the players all the time, this is a get to and not a got to, and I didn't even subscribe to that. You know, I just went to pout mode when we lost. And then I realized when I was in Texas feeding my deer and fishing a little bit on our, our property over there, it's like, man, I get to be in the finals. And we didn't win, but I, I, I got to be in that position. I get to work with our players and, and all of that. It's, it's a huge, huge blessing. And I kind of lost sight of that because we lost as if I deserved to win because I earned some right.
0: He speaks for every single son's. I'd fan. like to know
1: about feeding his deer. Well, he owns a ranch down there, right? He feeds the deer. Yeah, he's got deer. He's got a, he's a lot got of people a, like to go hunt deer, but he's feeding the deer. That's great. river that runs through his
0: property. I think that he fishes yeah. on. Yeah, I think I, I read a story about. That's sort of like his retreat. That's where he goes to recharge during the off season. I think it's somewhere in like the San Antonio area, if I remember right, nice. down there in kind of the southern part of Texas. Yeah. Um, so he's feeding deer and he's fishing and he's doing all that stuff. But hey, Monty, man, you know, join the club. And Monty's got more of a right to pout about it than I do. I, I, I pouted for three weeks about this. It took me a good solid week just to be like, wait, they lost? That's it. It's done. It's over? Did you go through a little like Oh, yeah, fan F- depression? I, I, yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. I I was in a funk for a good couple of weeks about Yeah. Absolutely because especially up to nothing. Especially up to nothing. Because you're thinking that's it. Especially up to nothing and when they started out game 5 the way they did up 32-16, I thought this is it. This is it. This is okay. You lost two in Milwaukee, but you're going to come back here. You're going to reestablish who the best team in this series is. And when they were up 32-16 in Game 5 at home, I thought, this is it. They're going to win the NBA championship. Right then and there, I would have probably bet a car payment that they would have won the NBA championship when they were up in the first quarter of Game 5. I think the great part is simply
1: that this this window is open for for a little while. Yeah, I mean, this window is open. It's not closed. It wasn't a one-year... There are teams that just have these one-year runs. This window is wide open for them to go back and compete again this year. No doubt. When we come back
0: on the Burns and Gambo Show, fact or fiction, the Rams are the team to beat in the NFC. Can we say that after three weeks? Somebody did. We'll tell you who next on the Burns and Gambo Show.